Hey, thanks for stopping back and checking out the DMA podcast. Eavesdropping on phone calls with John Herzog. That's me. I'm John. And uh, uh, like I said, I'm glad you stopped in today. Um, basically, I just call people at random that I uh, have come in contact with in our world of healthcare food service and, and elsewhere. Uh, and just give them a call and see how they're doing, what's up, and and uh, what is of interest to them that might be interesting to you. I'm going to call Nicholas Holland today. And uh, Nicholas is um, a, a representative of Grubhub. And uh, I've had the, the uh, real fortune of meeting him early on uh, when he was at a conference. Um, and it was early when Grubhub was trying to expand into um, other markets that that had shown uh, an interest and an opportunity for um, delivery. And uh, I remember his his table had the coolest um, swag. They had little squeezable foam tacos and some other cool stuff that I was able to bring home uh, for my kids at the time who were still of age when that would have been an exciting thing to get from uh, dad's work trip. Uh, but anyway, he's going to give Nicholas a call, see what he's up to, because I have heard and seen that um, he's been on, gone on to uh, um, some real ad- interesting adventures with Grubhub. So let's give Nicholas a call. Hello. Nicholas, it's John Herzog from DMA. How are you? Hey, John, doing well. How are you today? Good, man. Good. I, I know it's been a while since I've uh, spoken to you, so I just was looking through my list of people to get in touch with, and uh, your name was close to the top. Love to hear it. Love to hear yep. it. It was a pleasure to catch up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it it's uh, been a lot has happened uh, from the last time I saw you. The last time that I spoke to you, uh, you had mentioned that um, uh, you were having some level of success with uh, Grubhub and the NFL. Yeah, yeah. So not not just the NFL. So the NFL is sort of our first foray into uh, this vertical. Uh, but we are now moving into just sports and entertainment more broadly using this Grubhub on-site platform. You know, historically, a lot of people knew that as Topingo or, uh, you know, Grubhub Campus. And we're sort of just ca- calling it a little more holistically Grubhub on-site So what we're able to do is kind of prop up and provision this white label experience inside Grubhub that is is specific for any environment, whether that's a casino resort, you know, family water park, NFL stadium, NBA arena, NHL arena, MLS uh, stadium. You know, that's sort of what we're where we have our sites right now. Um, you know, since we last spoke, I, you know, obviously this is, this season's just coming to the end uh, and, you know, even a little more exciting as of yesterday, uh, why, what was previously the Washington football team, now the Washington commanders, uh, was the first team that we partnered with in this vertical where we are deploying this really unique elevated onsite experience where when the fan walks onto FedEx field, walks, you know, even realistically in the, into the uh, stadium parking area, if they open Grubhub, they're going to be greeted with this really unique experience that's just for FedEx fields. So they're not seeing any of the outside um, retail. They're only seeing all the different food vendors, concession stands, beer stands, bars, things like that. So now 
you're able to order more conveniently. You know, you're standing in line waiting to get through security. You're ordering your first hot dog and your first beer. So it's ready and waiting for you at the concession stand as soon as you get in the door. If you're sitting in your seat, you're scanning a QR code right in front of you. That's, you know, popping up this unique environment. You place your order, wait to get the ding, letting you know the order is ready for pickup. You go grab it and you're right back in your seat. So, you know, kind of taking that same experience that, you know, I, I think that we've talked a lot about in different different inter- interactions at AHF, yeah. uh, where we are using it at hospitals, college campuses, universities, things like that. We're, we're basically doing the same thing. You know, I mean, a, a, a college campus, a large, you know, really large, robust hospital is kind of a small town in a lot of ways. So what we're doing is creating a unique mobile retail environment that's branded specifically for that property, that population, that operation. Well, uh, it, you know, I have to confess to you that um, the reason that I was looking at and wanted to call you, and this was a couple of days ago, it was like, man, I need to get in touch with him and see what he knows about this name. I was going to try to get the inside scoop on the Washington football team name from you because you had mentioned when I saw you last that you were you were talking with them. And then uh, and then I had read that, you know, the, the announcement that, you know, Grubhub had partnered with them. So I was like, he's going to know what that name is. They were getting ready to announce. I'm going to try to get the scoop. But I, what do you think of the name? You like the commanders? Listen, it's a it is a massive improvement. Yeah, well, true. That's true. I like the quirkiness of, you know what, we're just going to call it the Washington football team. I kind of like that at first. But yeah, the, the commanders definitely I think it's a great name. I think it's I think it's going to work. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it tracks, it makes sense for the DC area, the commanders, yeah, you know, the absolutely. commander in chief. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that it, it gives the, it gives the team a little more of a sense of identity, which I think is great. Some of the team, the, you know, the team, the fans, everybody can latch on to and be proud of. Uh, Cause I, I sort of like the quirkiness of, of, you know, Washington football team, WFT, right, uh, right. something sort of, sort of, sort of neat about that. But I also understand, you know, you want to have I, brand identity in this world. I, I enjoyed watching the games when the announcers were first trying to get used to it. You know, they would call them the Redskins and then walk, walk it back. It was funny. Um, yeah, so, it's, it's amazing that people are still catching themselves with that one. So hopefully this will alleviate some of that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, Topingo. Topango, mm-hmm. Topingo. Topingo, yeah. yeah. What? what how, how is the? How is the timeline? Like, I, I'm, I'm wondering. Uh, overall, like delivery is, has boomed crazy. Like, w- was there a, you know, was there wasn't even a Grubhub like seven, eight years ago, or how old is it? I mean, honestly, when, when did the boom start, and how did Grubhub come and get get involved? And, and yeah, so I mean, Grubhub is Grubhub is actually a pretty old company. Uh, you know, now that you asked that, I'm actually going to pull up a, um, uh, a slide deck here that I think actually has a timeline that I have saved because it's such a fascinating, uh, fascinating thing about that timeline. Because, you know, when we think about Grubhub, the, infe- the inception of Seamless, which is, you know, the, the company that Grubhub merged with and sort of was the foundation of Grubhub, started in 1999. So we're really? talking about a company that's 23 years old at this point. 23 years old. Yeah. All right. So, so the think, incarnation well, of Grubhub as we know back it. Back then. Oh. Right. It's, it's very, we've evolved quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 1999, you know, this really started in effectively Manhattan. And you had 
consumers, big office buildings, things like that, faxing orders in. Right. And then the, you know, the Grubhub team is aggregating these orders and creating a delivery network to make sure that, you know, these busy Manhattan lunch rushes and dinner rushes, rushes are people get are getting fed. So it was, you know, the most low tech possible concept. And then obviously there were probably some email in there, but really it's kind of started with, with a fax machine and an email. And, you know, they were facilitating, you know, tens of thousands of orders a day. And that sort of has grown to the, you know, the, 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 the millions of orders a day. I think there's what, like 40 million plus users of, of Grubhub around the country right now. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And then when you think about, you know, we, we talk about um, Topingo, uh, that was 2018 that Grubhub acquired Topingo, but Topingo got, we got our start. I, I want to say, 2009 something like that is when 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 that company really started but really the technology kind of got off the ground about 10 years ago that we've okay. been leveraging this on-site experience because Topingo was a standalone company before Grubhub acquired us okay. you know that's going back to and this that's sort of how Grubhub you know has this massive footprint in these on-site environments now because right. of all the work Topingo did before they acquired us four years ago. So probably wasn't was Topingo as national, or or was that mostly like larger cities? You know, you you would talk about um, uh, uh, alluding to like the football stadium as its own campus or its own city. So was it was it mostly the you know in the early stages focused around high populated cities, or you know could could anybody access it? I guess you'd have to have restaurants participating. Well, that's sort of the neat thing about Topingo, which is very different from the Grubhub model. And that's, that's why we were able to be so successful at like a national level, because we didn't need to rely on local communities to create these retail ecosystems. These retail ecosystems were created entirely by the on-site retail. So you think college campus, a big, you know, a big regional hospital, something like that. It has yeah. a really robust on-site food service environment. That's where we're, we're able to leverage this unique uh, mobile experience for the population that's there, you know, for the students, the faculty, doctors, nurses, things like that. The people that are there day in and day out, they're now, you know, in, in a, you have a student in class and there might not be necessarily a coffee shop in town that's close by. But I bet there's a Starbucks on their on their campus. Right. You know, class is over in five minutes. They're placing their order for a latte and a sandwich so that they're able to just grab it in between classes and not have to wait in, you know, that what was historically 20, 40 people in line during these class breaks at a lot of college campuses. Yeah, man. So I, I mean it's it's changed so much. The whole culture, it's you know, the whole delivery of food in the instantaneous app, you know, the apps, you can order it. You, and, and, you know, I, I, people were afraid of, uh, not really afraid, but one of the negatives for that and the automated checkouts, you know, you're going to eliminate jobs and then you're going to uh, take away the personal interaction. But, but now as, as every industry, including healthcare food service, certainly is facing, you know, always challenging to do more with less and then always meet the demands of the customers, which now, you know, our patients, which now include um, ordering what you like. So we develop room service. We're, in, you know, improving the quality of food. We're bringing uh, locally sourced, sustainable, organic, you know, uh, and really addressing the specific diet. So we're really catering 
at much like any other hospitality uh, situation, like a hotel or a restaurant. And, and, uh, but, but, but those, the same fears of like, Oh, I can't do use the automatic checkout. That's going to take away uh, my human touch. I'm going to miss that. But really the automation is, is now helping us address the, uh, the shortage of workers. Right. I, I mean, what, what kind of uh, explain to me in some ways how, how that really fits in, how people can look at uh, a, a delivery app or, you know, a Grubhub in, in, and help the issue of labor, which is the number one issue right now that I'm, I'm talking with everybody about. Yeah, I'll give you a couple examples that have been sort of on the forefront of a lot of conversations uh, across all of our verticals. You know, first is we're able to just be a lot more efficient with the the staff members that, you know, the the staff footprint that exists today, whether we're talking pre-COVID, during COVID, post-COVID. I'm not sure that post-COVID even exists just yet, but even, you know, in that post-COVID world that we we can get to. Um, you know, we're, the staff efficiencies that we're able to, to create are really great because we never want to eliminate jobs. We don't want to eliminate positions, but we can definitely help to sort of, if we're eliminating the need for a cashier, typically what's happening is throughput's also going up because you have a lot more people that are now able to engage with the food service operation. You have people that, you know, this is particularly true in like a hospital, especially big, busy hospitals, where a lot of people were either skipping lunch, bringing lunch from home, grabbing like a granola bar, not really eating a good hearty meal because lines were prohibitive. Right. So now we move over to more of a mobile only model. And you have a lot more people that want to engage because you have, you know, a nurse at their nurse's station, a doctor in their office, they're placing their order and then walking down and grabbing it. They're never actually waiting in line because they're effectively inserting themselves into that line before they even get to the cafeteria. So the foods, it's more of like an an on-demand, just-in-time experience. But since you have more people, you have sort of an influx, a slight influx in orders, but also part of that influx comes from the fact that at a cashier, if I'm a consumer, I have to walk up to you know, the chef at the grill, tell them what, what I want, how I want it, and they make it. And then I have to take that food, go to a cashier, check out, you know, give them cash, give them my credit card, give them my badge, whatever the case might be. And those little pinch points take up a lot of time when you repeat that, you know, a few dozen, 20 dozen times throughout the day. That's a lot of wasted time, you know, giving and receiving orders, giving and receiving payments, standing in line. Right now, when through mobile, all of those interactions are happening through the mobile device. So we're able to respond to the influx of orders a lot more efficiently because what we're doing is saying, okay, well, we don't need a cashier to take the order. We don't need somebody to stand there at the grill station and take the order. We just, the orders are printing out. We, and we're just going straight into manufacturing. So a lot of times what we've seen is, oh crap, we have, we have more orders than, than, than we typically did during a lunch rush. But hey, we also don't have a, somebody taking orders or taking payments. We just don't need as many people to do that. So we transition that employee into more of a skilled labor position, making the food in the back right. or potentially even running the food, doing like a, like a delivery service, something like that. Sure. So it's been yeah. really helpful to help accommodate a lot of the um, 
sort of the, the, the throughput and staffing issues that we've seen, you know, and even, you know, this was true at, at, at FedEx Field with Washington this past football season. Staffing was a nightmare. You think it's difficult to staff a hospital? Yeah. Imagine trying to staff at a football stadium where it's only every Sunday, every other Sunday right. that you even need this staff. They don't want to show up for that. True. You know, it's just it's just not a model that that's super sustainable in the current economy. So you, you know what we are seeing is the stands that we were that we were putting up on mobile were performing a lot better than the stands that didn't have mobile because the mobile environment always shows up for work. They're always on time and they're always willing to help the customer. So we're able to inbound these orders and we just don't need as many people behind the scenes to take those orders because you you know you have one or two dedicated people to at that at mobile command center where you're just the orders are coming in and you're going grabbing them from the, the the grill the flat fryer you're filling up the drinks doing whatever you need to do putting them out and notifying the consumer that their order is ready and you know we're able to really steamroll through those those busy times of the day because of that interaction and you know I think the the, the same is then true also and this is a, a you know a really great story that we saw come out of covid was a hospital that we're working with in Illinois, you know, big, massive, busy hospital. Um, they had been a, I believe they were actually a Topingo customer. So they, they'd been with us for a little while. And then COVID hits and we had, you know, we had a pretty well-built mobile environment in there in, throughout their systems. So they were already kind of pre-prepared for this chaos that we saw with COVID. They, you know, we had things like, you know, not, not a ton of them, but enough that it was impactful. They had things like the, uh, like our self-checkout. So it's a touchscreen uh, kiosk that consumers can walk up to, swipe their card, swipe their badge, check out, check themselves out, and then just wait for their order to come out. And then obviously there's mobile ordering. So, you know, we sort of helped them adapt as COVID happened because, you know, they, a, they just they, they they weren't allowed to have as many as many employees uh, right. because you couldn't have employees working too closely to one another. So yeah. we transitioned their entire food service operation to mobile or kiosk checkouts only. The only way you, you couldn't walk up to a cashier because obviously that's there's a big risk for spreading contagions there. You couldn't walk up and tell somebody your order. Obviously, there's another risk for contagion there. So what we did is trans transition everything to, to a completely contactless environment where the only way to place your order was through mobile or through one of these kiosks. And then they just had like a pickup shelf right outside the, the cafeteria in the hallway. When your order was up, that meant it was sitting there bagged up and sealed on that pickup shelf. So you go grab order number three for Nicholas Holland and, you know, right back to, you know, somewhere where you could eat, whether it's a, you know, they sort of had spaced out area in the, the employee dining areas. Maybe you have an office or some, some other place where you could go eat that's away from any potentially congested areas. So, you know, fast forward several months and we're on a call actually with, with AHF because this hospital is an AHF member. And, we're, we're discussing sort of some of the woes of that, that, that people are dealing with in COVID. And you have these, these dining directors are, they're complaining saying, you know, yeah, we're down 60, 50, 70%. Some, some of the, some of these folks at, at these hospitals, because a, they're just not allowed to be open. The staff's not there to even place the order. And yeah, it was this, brutal. The, the I, I, I lived through it. Yes. It was definitely brutal. 
dining director at this hospital in Illinois goes, yeah, we're down 7%. Yeah, <laughs> you could. You, there, there was just a big gasp that right. you heard, and he then he just goes on to tell a story. Well, you know, here's here's how we're doing it. We're leveraging the technology that we already had. We're, we had the blessing of having this pre-existing before COVID, so we weren't we scrambled a little bit. But you know, Grubhub helped us to through that scramble, and you know, we lost seven percent year over year because we transitioned to a mobile only in, environment to accommodate what the hospital administration told them they had to do and the CD told, CDC told them they had to do because of COVID. So it, it, uh, that, that story brings, uh, brings to mind almost every um, hospital I've ever had any dealings with. And, and you know, the, the ones that I was uh, um, in charge of directly, the struggle is that third shift. You know, there's a third shift staff, um, an EVS staff, certainly, uh, you know, nursing staff, um, and, uh, support staff of all kinds in the hospital uh, and security, you know, and, and they always feel uh, left out like there's nothing available. It doesn't make any business sense to staff it. And, and you know, uh, like you were explaining, you know, you have a cashier and you have a couple of cooks and even if you uh, trim down the menu, it still didn't get a, a whole lot of use. So I I can see a, a, a delivery model or a ghost kitchen or something like that really becoming and I think it is obviously I'm stating the obvious here, but I think that's becoming more of a solution. But what do you, what, how do you say, I'm, I know that I would hear whenever I would start thinking about it or talking to people, the pushback is, well, our patients are older and they're not used to using apps. Do you think we're past that now? Because literally everything is done. I mean, particularly like Christmas shopping and everything. Right. So I think, I think maybe that's a little bit uh, 2012, right. Or maybe even 2017 <laughs> or, yeah, or, or, you know, I think it's fair to say 2015, 16, 17, that we could sort of say, well, you know, it's it, the older the older population just isn't going to adopt this technology. But it, it, the, the, the truth of it is, you know, I mean, my, my parents are both in their 70s and they use apps and mobile ordering and things like Instacart, Grubhub eBay, Amazon, you know, you name it, they're using it. And part of it is the, it, the smartphone has made it far too convenient not to use it. Yeah, and it's just I, I, super I, intuitive anymore. I agree. Yeah, my, my mom is uh, in her 80s and, and uh, her and her husband, they live in a, a gated community, you know, and you guys would kill it there. I mean, you get all those people, though. They, they would be really busy around 2.30 or 3 o'clock for dinner. That'd be a big spike in yeah. order. And, yeah, but, which, uh, which would be perfect. <laughs> exactly. Not the non-busy times elsewhere. Um, yeah. So, so uh, something else that you would, were talking about was, um, you know, the large, the, the, the larger hospitals and so forth and, you know, having the infrastructure, uh, I'm sure there's a, an investment. And, and so if you're a, if you're a smaller facility that, you know, has a tough time even getting just kitchen equipment, you know, authorized to be replaced. What what kind of steps can they do? What's your advice just in the general topic of of delivery? I mean, could they build one themselves just for their you know facility or is, you know, what what steps could they take to sort of get close and maybe even entertain having a third shift or, you know, having a, a delivery or pickup model to accentuate the, their current retail setup? Yeah. And, you know, I think th this sort of goes back to 
23 years ago with the inception of Seamless in Manhattan, you know, how did we do it when order volume was lower and, you know, realistically before we had apps and before we had, you know, lightning fast internet connection right on our phone. And I think that it's, you know, keep it low tech. It's very easy to set up like a, you know, a food service administrative email account that just gets is tied to like an iPad or something like that. And for third shift, if I want to place my order, you know, I'm, you know, nurse Nicholas Holland, I place my order and just submit it through the email. And that just, you know, that populates right on that, that tablet device, or maybe it auto prints from a printer, something like that. Yeah. You really just need one person to inbound that order. And you need one person to make that order. So that's, you know, that's, that's one person. That's not two people for, for something like third shift when we know we're only going to get, you know, 20, 25, 30, maybe orders throughout yeah. the evening. So it's, it's very easy to operationalize this through, you know, just allow people to email an order in. And, and I think, I think that, you know, because it is a smaller population of, of folks who are going to be placing the orders and, you know, it's often, you know, just a smaller population of employees within these smaller hospitals that don't necessarily have the budget. And, you know, realistically, it's, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even necessarily recommend our technology for a smaller hospital because we, it's really just these really big, massive systems where you really need to kind of create a small town. Yeah. mobile environment but you know you have maybe you have a cafe and then a a cafeteria with you know four or five different stations there's only maybe a thousand orders a day going through but you want to make sure to to, to serve the uh, that, that third shift it's super easy just to create an email an email alias that 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 and promote that email alias and you know even you know you can say you know do things very very simply and just say you know, we know orders will be ready in about 10 minutes. So place your order and come down in 10 minutes because you're never going to get slammed necessarily during third shift. It's a little more tricky to do this for like a lunch rush, even at a smaller hospital, but for third shift, very easy to just allow people to submit orders via email. And you can reconcile after the fact in a lot of cases, whether you bill the employee for it or it's a payroll to duck type type system. There's a lot of easy ways to keep that contactless or, you know, you, you, you may need to have them pay, um, you know, upon pickup, something like that. But I've seen a lot of people do, you know, a, a, a post evening reconciliation, just, you know, look at the 20 employees who placed orders throughout the evening, and then you either bill them for it, or it just, you automatically take it out of their paycheck the, the, the next time through. Um, there's a couple of other things that, that I think that are really kind of great in the sort of low tech vein is, you know, you promote a system at the hospital and you say, uh, you know, all lunch orders need to be in by 10 a.m. And you can pick them up at, you know, this location at noon, place your orders before 10, you can, and then you're, you're, you're able to pick it up right at noon. And you just sort of have this nice little hub and spoke type delivery, delivery model that's able to reach a lot more consumers. And you sort of time it out and, you know, make sure that there are time blocks. We've, we've done similarly within the app, and it's obviously a little more, a little easier to manage with a, within a mobile environment using our technology. But if you don't have that technology right in front of you and you have a relatively small staff where you're not going to get hammered with 500 orders or 100 orders, it's relatively easy to do this just relying on email and 
a, a, a sort of defined set of rules that the employees need to adhere to in order to participate in pre-order, delivery, third shift, things like that. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like you could get creative and, and it's doable. And, and, and again, I think culturally, the people getting used to that, um, like going to pick up a bag out of a food locker, you know, that's not a foreign idea anymore. You know, none, none of it. I think I think this the wild success, you know, of Grubhub and 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 uh, um, ghost kitchens and so forth. I think it everybody's used to it now and it would not not be that difficult to create a system for for that. And you could operate with just one or two people, you know. Um, so, I, I, yeah, it's it's definitely a uh, an opportunity there to to solve that long standing third what to do about third shift situation that's interesting mm-hmm. so so what's next what what's next what do you guys uh what do you have going on like who's who's the next big fish for you i know you were pretty excited about um washington commanders and uh but what what else have you been up to yeah, I think that the you know we have a couple of teams that are going to be launching before the end of the season within the NHL and the NBA, and then we also have a few teams in the MLS coming up this soccer season that, that we're looking to to deploy with. But really, you know, I think that it's it. What's next for us is going beyond just the core functionality of our platform. You know, obviously it's great to be a fan ordering ahead from your seat. It's great to be a college student ordering from class and picking up your, your lunch on your, as you breeze through campus on your way to your next class. Um, but really there's, there's, there's uh, other facets, other options that we're able to leverage. And you sort of mentioned one, which is lockers. We, you know, we were integrated with a smart locker company so that we can really take this idea of contactless even further. Yeah. Um, a lot of college campuses are doing this, but uh, the well, this has actually become really popular at like casino resorts where we're working. So that we're obviously we're leveraging the exact same type of technology within a casino resort environment and allowing consumers to place orders from any of the restaurants on site, and it gets delivered to like a smart locker. So this is really cool. Like when you're at the pool at that casino in Las Vegas, you place an order, it gets delivered to a locker. You get a notification on your phone when it's at the locker, you scan the QR code, locker door pops open, you grab your order and you're right back to your cabana to right back to your seat. It's, you know, obviously a lot more less frictionless because the, um, the operators are just throwing the food in. They're not wandering around the pool deck looking for the guy in red shorts. And there's 50 guys in red shorts and you have no idea because you're supposed to be in cabana three, but you've just got up to go check on your kids over at the pool. Now the, the, uh, the order, the delivery order can't find you. So we, we've really kind of streamlined that piece of it. And obviously this is also really popular at, at college campuses because of that sort of in between class rush. So we're sort of taking that, that, that pickup area, moving it a little bit away from some of the congestion, which really helps with some of the operations and some of the uh, avoiding con- congestion and people sort of being too near one another. Yeah. Um, that's- also, aside from lockers, I think what's really exciting is robotic delivery. So we're doing robotic delivery at a handful of college campuses now where we have robots delivering Grubhub all throughout the campus. I mean, it's again, this is only for the on-site retail, but right. it's wildly popular. And it does, doesn't even seem to be just wildly popular for novelty. It's wildly popular for the convenience and also just the cost savings. Being able to deliver all throughout campus and not needing a fleet of, you know, 
Oh yeah, vehicles. ten delivery drivers right, to, to right. accommodate this. It's it's sort of amazing what uh, what robotics has done for for convenience. And we're also exploring some ideas for how we can leverage robotics for uh, like a casino environment or you know something more internal where the robots need to go up and down elevators and deliver room service. Really cool stuff like that. Yeah, we've I've worked on a couple of projects. Um, you know, and that technology too, just like everything, has really come a long way. Um, you know, they're in the early days of that, there was some issues with them, like you had said, elevators and encountering stairs or encountering a, a, a door that won't open, you know, and so, so they're, they've really come very far and, and more and more people are, uh, open to that idea. And, you know, a lot of the hospitals that we work with are, are large campuses, some with including, you know, underground tunnels that take you from, uh, one unit to the next and, and miles, you know, apart in different uh, medical office buildings that they, the kitchens also service. So there's a lot of really good opportunity with the technology. So I'm, I'm glad that I've got somebody in, in the, in the, that I could call and get the update and it has their finger on the pulse. So um, let me ask you a couple non Grubhub questions. This is just about um, you. Um, quick answer. You you're going into town. Your business, your meeting is canceled. The uh, the client has left a choice of two front row tickets to Rolling Stones or front row tickets to um, Hamilton that happens to be in town. The the actual Broadway, the all the that whatever that guy's name, the real star. Which, which do you pick? Ooh, that's a toughie. I mean, when when do you get the opportunity to see the Stones? But also, when do you get the opportunity to see Lin Manuel Miranda perform? There you go. Hamilton? Thank you for saving me on that. I shouldn't know that guy's name. I'm a, and so I'm a I'm a huge Hamilton fan. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I did not know that. So there you go. Yeah. Have not have not seen the original cast though. So yeah, dude. Know, it, this this might one. be one. This might be one where I, I would I would I would I, I would have to forego the stones and go go see uh, the original cast perform Hamilton, if for nothing else, bragging to my wife that I got to do it. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, the way you rattle up his name, I feel like an idiot. But yeah, thanks. I mean, obviously that 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 would be a great choice. Why not? I mean, although you will more than likely not see the stones, have a chance to see them again. I mean, my lord, they've been out there for quite a while doing it yeah it, but, that's one of those you, you really can't go wrong with you no, exactly those, but the bragging rights that i would get from hamilton would be worth it yeah yeah that's true i went i saw hamilton i didn't know what to expect and man i was i you know it, it, it I, i'm i'm a fan of you know live theater musicals but but i was just a little concerned of the length and mm-hmm. i and, and it was over i looked at my wife and i said I'll, i will go see this again like now it was awesome mm-hmm. so Anyway, I had the same exact experience. I got to run. Let me ask you this with all of your sports. Have you met anybody cool? Any sports figures we would know? No, I really haven't met any sports figures. Um, I'll tell you, though, I, I've gotten to, gotten to do some really cool things at a lot of these facilities, like getting like the, the private tours under the tunnels, under the field, getting to see, you know, when the fields are getting removed out in Miami, oh, um, cool. you know, access to different suites and different special events and things like that. That's been a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, I've met a lot of, you know, like the CEO and the CFO of a lot of these teams. And I mean, listen, they're arguably just as important, if not more important than some of the players. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but not a name you'd recognize. Yeah, I got you. That's yeah. cool. I was able to ask your, you know, James, he's, he's a, 
James Bongat, who's our, yeah. our uh, CEO, he, he, he is a big fan of going and touring stadiums. He of, of course enjoys watching, you know, being in a stadium that actually has a game, but, but he, equally enjoys just touring the stadium so um I, I, we were able to see like three i think the, the first year i was on board we went to uh minnesota and then of course recently i just went to dallas to, when when ahf was there and then um mm-hmm. uh he he even though i'm a bears fan we we had a meeting quote unquote you know meeting <laughs> in green bay wisconsin so i got to see uh um see lambo so yeah uh well listen man it's good catching up with you uh you're a crazy busy guy every time i see you you know you're a mile a minute and and it's awesome so um i i really hope that um i run into you at some of the conferences this year but if not i definitely want to keep in touch and um uh, i will definitely be reaching out to you for a couple of uh further details of these tips that you were talking about for some of our our clients so yeah so reach out anytime john yeah will do man thanks so much nicholas you have a good one yeah, of course. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All righty. Bye. Bye now. Wow. That's Nicholas Holland. That's fantastic. Uh, full of a lot of really exciting opportunities and, and, uh, covering a lot of ground with Grubhub. Um, what did we learn today? Well, we learned that Grubhub actually is a much older company than one might have uh, thought previously. Um, also learned there could be a relatively easy low-tech way of uh, addressing that pesky um, third shift uh, puzzle. You know, we, how can we offer meals to our third shift employees? Uh, and also learned that ghost kitchens are really not that scary. And uh, we then learned that um, Hamilton, the Broadway musical Ham- Hamilton, beats the Rolling Stones at least at least this time with uh, Nicholas. Um, great talking to him. Wonderful, uh, cool company. Cool things happening with delivery. Thinking outside of the box for your uh, facilities. Um, and as always, it's been uh, great having you eavesdrop on my conversations. Check in and listen frequently to the DMA podcast. Um, we can be found everywhere else that everybody else's podcasts are found. Uh, thanks very much. And I look forward to it next time.